right, all right. Give him one more hand. That was too good to not give him a second hand. So, <laughs> Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you all are here. I am Mike Conaway. I'm the pastor here at City on a Hill Church, and we are in our new series that's going to take us through Easter. We're in a series called Lent. And, uh, and again, there's always, you know, there's always questionable, folks are always saying, I thought Lent was Catholic. No, it's Eastern Orthodox. We go through this again, Ash Wednesday. We just have to do your research. So you know when Paul usually says, when Paul is writing a letter, a lot of times he says, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. Well, I am the same way. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. These are relational aspects. And so as we look at Lent, what's Lent about? It's just like Advent. You know how Advent gets close to Christmas time? It prepares our hearts for the birth of Jesus. Well, Lent prepares our hearts for the sacrifice and resurrection of our Savior. But most, amen, yes, I, I, that, that should get a hand in any church, anywhere, you know. But, uh, but ultimately, uh, the reminder is this, the reminder is this, is that our relationship with God is what matters. Not our religion, our relationship. Now, you can make Lent religious, and it mean a whole lot of nothing to you. Or you can make it relational, and it means everything, because the goal is the next 40 days, we want to be closer to Jesus. That's the goal. Amen. That's not a bad thing, no matter how you slice it, Amen. right? Amen. And then you always hear folks who, who fuss. I don't see Lent in the Bible. I don't see Ash Wednesday. Well, I don't see Easter or Christmas, but I see you giving, I see you doing Easter egg hunts and putting up your Christmas tree. You know what I'm saying? These hyper-religious people are like, I don't see that. Well, yeah, I don't see that either. But I, that doesn't stop you. So relationship, to me, I would rather have a season where people are talking about you. Listen, you can go right now to Walmart and find chocolate crosses. That's an opportunity to share Jesus. How are we going to be mad about that? Right? You can go and you can find this around. And so it's important for us to understand this is the pathway from death to everlasting life for you and I. And the goal is that we get an expectant hope of the resurrection. We know that the sacrifice, but listen, Jesus is not on the cross. He is not in the tomb. The tomb is empty. The cross is empty, but the throne is full. We need to get excited about that. And so what, what is Lynn about? It, it's about us getting closer. So why are we doing a ministry fair this Sunday? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> We're doing that because Lent is a time for you to, to get closer to God through service. And there's plenty of opportunities. The next five Sundays, there's opportunities. There's Sundays, just by the way, you know there's 52 Sundays in the year and they're always available. Just in case you didn't know that, you know, there's not like five Sundays you have to serve, but there's like 52 and you're allowed to come. Attend one, serve one. But ultimately, the goal is this, is that we do our service to God. It's a way for us to begin our service to God. So maybe you just say, hey, you know what, my sacrifice, I want to give a service to God every Sunday through Lent as a way of serving God. And here's what, here's what I know, once you get into serving you're not going to want to stop. Amen. 
you're going to want to keep serving because serving is a, who doesn't want to be impact the next generation who doesn't want your life to count for something who doesn't want to be the first person somebody sees in the parking lot and they might drive away if they don't see somebody but if they see you smiling who doesn't want to be that person we all want to be that person but it requires sacrifice and then it's a chance for us to give it's a chance for us to deepen our relationship because this just in we're all gonna die Amen. welcome to Sunday <laughs> we're all dying that's right and the truth of the matter is is this season reminds us of our mortality but the opportunity for immortality through Jesus Christ Amen. when the perishable becomes unperishable and so it reminds us of that. So it just helps us because, li listen to me, listen to me very carefully. The way you see death affects your faith. The way you see death affects your faith. And it also affects the way you live. Right? People, the YOLO people out there, you know the YOLO people out there. You only live once. I'm like, well, how about living for Jesus? I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if you read the Bible, but it talks about a life after, you know, <laughs> and, and the YOLO is going to determine where you spend YOLO. <laughs> and you know what else it's expected? It's expected, you know what else that our faith, it speaks to our, our morality, our morality and our immortality. It reminds us that we need Jesus more than our next breath, man. Amen. Nobody in this room, I don't care. Where you find yourself, you are not perfect. And you'll never be perfect until Jesus comes. But that's it. And we have a saying around here, we're not perfect, we're being what? So I want to be on that path. And this kind of helps us do that. And, and since the very beginning of time, we see in Genesis 1 that God gives two commands to us as humans. He gives us the command to be fruitful and multiply and to have dominion over creation. That means God created everything that your eyes see, every beautiful thing that you have ever seen in this world, God has given us dominion over that. Isn't that amazing? That God would give you dominion over the sea and the sky and the sun and the animals and everything else that you see you're more special, more precious than all of those things. And so he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, and I want you to have dominion over those things. But then God included one rule. We don't like rules. We hate rules. One rule. Just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just don't do that. All of this other stuff is yours. It belongs to you. You can have it. You have dominion. You get to name the animals, the duckbill platypus. You get to name it. Right? You want to know why a duck's a duck? Because we made it that way. But the story progresses. And what happens? Adam and Eve fall quickly. In God's one command, He gave them everything. And he asked them not to do one thing. And what do you think the one thing they want the most is the one thing? You see, what we call in the church, we call that in the church or in theology, we call that the fall. That's called the fall. That's the fall of man. 
And when that happens, God, God discovers that Adam and Eve has bro- have broken his command. And what happens? He curses the serpent, he curses them, and he curses all creation. And how does that happen? Death is introduced. There was no death before that time. Sin creates death in all of us. In every one of us. And so, so as we look at this, since that time in Genesis chapter 2 through Genesis chapter 3, we find out that everything that has ever gone wrong is because of sin. Do you know why babies die? Because of sin. Do you know why the, the, the hurricanes come? Because of sin. Do you, every bad thing that happens is because of sin, but somehow we blame God. We blame God for every bad thing. When a man does something evil, we blame God. Am I right or wrong? And we can't do that. We can't do that. And then we try and stand in moral judgment of God. And my question to you is, how are you standing in moral judgment of God? You ask, why didn't God do anything when that evil was happening? I had a question one time from a young lady who didn't understand human trafficking. And she's like, why does God let that happen? God doesn't let those things. It's, it's people who apply those things and make those things happen. And she says, yeah, but he doesn't do anything about it. And I say, well, you know, in this city today, there are people who are being human trafficked. When's the last door you kicked in? Because if you haven't kicked in a door, then you're evil according to your standard, you're evil. Because you haven't done anything about it. But the truth of the matter is God did do something about it. Because in Genesis 3 we find that Jesus is promised and Jesus is going to be the one to make all things right. And by the way, we are doing something about it. Just, it's amazing. Just this week, through A21 campaign, one of our partner ministries, 74 people who were being human trafficked in South Africa were set free. 24 of those were children. So God is doing something. He's choosing us to do it. You and me. So we are doing something. God is doing something. So every broken thing, every broken relationship, every pain, every suffering, you know how much you hate work? Blame Adam and Eve. It's their fault. Ladies, because childbearing is not as joyous as it should be, blame Eve. You got somebody to blame, don't blame God. But the truth of the matter is, is is this whole time for us, this relational approach is for us to realize that God's law reveals mankind's deep spiritual need for for redemption through Jesus. That's what this does. The, The law is not bad. The Bible is not bad. This is not a book of don't do's. This book is a book of life. This is a love letter to you and me. This is an instruction manual for living here. On this earth this is what this book is and if it wasn't for this book many of us would not know the struggle and wouldn't know the cure and so it's important for us to understand every day listen to me every day in some way every one of us 
fails to keep God's law. It's because mankind lives under the curse of sin and Adam. We live under that sin. And so we struggle. We struggle. We fight. You know, in my men's Bible study, uh, I get to be close to my brothers. You know, I get to know them more. And, and one of the biggest struggles that the guys come to me with privately, when we're just together, just us, is Pastor Mike, man, I don't feel like I'm winning. Every time I want to do the good, I don't, I don't do good. And I'm like, do you read Romans 7? Romans 7 tells us that's the real struggle. That's the struggle because the law is there. It reveals our desperate need for Jesus. You're not going to be perfect. Are you better than you were yesterday? Yes. Are you going to be better tomorrow? Yes. Are you going to be perfect? No. But we can't quit. But that's what happens. The enemy of our soul comes in and says, well, you can't be perfect, so you should quit. That's what it says. But, 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 but for us, we know we don't quit. That's why God gave us the gift of repentance, the gift of Jesus. We need him more than our next breath. So when we think about this, what does God's law reveal? The first thing I want you to see this morning is this, is God's law reveals God's standards are impossible to keep on our own merit. Now, I want you to look back for a second at Romans 5, 17. It says, for if by, because of one man, that's Adam, trespassed, death reigned, that one man, Adam, much more will uh, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man. That is, I want you to fill in Jesus. Jesus. That's how you and I are helped. But God's law reveals God's standards are impossible to keep without, uh, on our own merit. We just can't do it. So look at what the scripture says. This is anybody who is struggling with sin. I'm not looking at anybody, but I'm looking at everybody. You know what I'm saying? Any of us read Romans seven and eight. Don't stop at seven. You got to go to eight, but seven Paul literally changes. Paul has been writing Romans in the third person and the second person. In this chapter, he changes it to first person. He changes it to first person. This is how serious it is. And we're talking about Paul the apostle who's been beaten, shipwrecked, whipped, stoned, you name it. It's happened to him for Jesus. And he says this 27 years after his ministry, when they're getting ready to take his head, he says, here's a trustworthy this saying that deserves your full attention. Jesus Christ saves sinners of whom I'm the worst. Amen. He kept that in his heart. Now look at this. What shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law... I would not have known sin. Does that, mean, does that make doctors bad? You go to the doctor, they tell you that you're sick. Well, doctor, you're evil. You're doctor evil. Right? No. It wasn't. It's not the doctor's fault that you got sick. Right? For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, don't do it. You shall not covet. 
But sin, look at this sentence, guys. Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this because it's happening every day to us and it's trying to destroy your life and my life. And more importantly, it's trying to destroy your relationship and my relationship with God. But sin, seizing an opportunity, just like the serpent seized the opportunity in the garden, through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Because everybody knows when you see a wet paint sign, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to test to see if it's wet. Oh, it's wet. Right? Doesn't matter. It's like, sign said it. Doesn't matter. Can't believe it. Oh. It says, for apart from the law, sin dies. Now understand this. It, sin lies dead. You see, what it, what it says is that apart from the law, you don't see your need for Jesus. Apart from the law, you don't know that you need, you have a false sense of goodness. You ever meet good people? They're the hardest people to reach for Jesus because they don't need Jesus because they're so good. You ever meet good people? I've met plenty of good people who say, I don't need God because I'm good. I'm going to heaven while I'm saying, well, if you don't need God, why do you want to spend eternity with him? You don't need him. Make your own heaven. Let's see how that works out for you. Right? And, 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 and it says sin lies dead. And that means deceived and perceived righteousness. It doesn't mean that sin didn't exist. It means that you didn't recognize sin. And the truth of the matter is if you put 100 pounds of weight on a dead person's chest, what do they feel? Nothing. It isn't until... You're, you're woken and you're alive that you feel the weight of sin and you now know the cure. And this is Paul talking about it. It could have been when Paul's talking about when he was a child and then, and then as he began to be instructed in the law. It could have been when he was knocked off his high horse and religion had knocked him out and now all of a sudden he realized he needed Jesus more than religion. These are those moments. He said, I, I, this is Paul, I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Meaning, I recognized I was dead in my sin and I needed someone. I needed a Savior. I needed Jesus. I needed Jesus. I didn't just want Jesus, but I needed Jesus. And he says, the very commandment that, pro that promised life proved to be death to me. Because it revealed that apart from God, I'm dead. I'm, I'm lost. I'm broken. I have a death sentence and I deserve it for sin seizing the opportunity through the commandment deceived me and and through it killed me I thought I could keep all of God's law the rich young ruler had that problem good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life what, what do I got to do? And Jesus said, oh, that's easy. Just do everything in the law. Well, I do that. He literally said that to Jesus. He literally said, I do that. Everything in, in here, it was the Old Testament Bible, everything in there, I'm good. I got it all under control. And Jesus was like, oh, okay then. The PMV version of that, Pastor Mike version. Okay then. Then here's what I need you to do. I need you to go. 
sell everything that you have. He didn't say bring the money to me. This is not a prosperity Jesus. This ain't the prosperity Jesus. Go and then buy me a couple camels and bring it to me and give me some gold linens. He said give everything you have to the poor and then come follow me and you'll have eternal life. And the Bible says this, the rich young ruler went away sad because he had great wealth. See, he had religion and wealth. And he had the idea that he was good. That he was good. And so it says, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And we need to thank God for that. You see, but you and I think this is up for debate. See, you and I think that this Bible, uh, God didn't mean what he said. And so you and I try and create something from this and you take a black marker and black out the parts that you don't like and just keep the good parts but that's not how the law works that's not how christ works that's not how a relationship with god works our relationship is something we're working on a rela- every relationship we have is being worked on and if you don't work on a relationship it will fall it will fumble it will crush it will crap. Sometimes when we have a, 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 a couple's gathering and, uh, and you say, hey, we're going to do a, a biblical marriage conference. Oh, I don't need that. My marriage is good. Okay, well, I'll wait till it's bad and then I'll have it. <laughs> then I'll have one for you. Once your marriage is really, really bad, almost unsavable, holler at your boy and we'll set one up. <laughs> no, you do it now. Right? Oh, we're good for now. For now, you have to work on it. I wish I was joking, but people were like, no, we're good. no, you're not. We need to work on our relationship. Let me talk to your spouse by ourselves, and we'll find out. Right? Some people are looking at each other right now. I'm not even trying to look at you right now, because I don't even want to know what's going on. People getting elbowed and hurt. But if you think about it, you think about what's happening. The law's here. There's a moral standard. And God begins to reveal how things start to happen. First there's doubt. Then there's confusion about what God's word says. Isn't that how everything happens? Anytime we want to change anything, the first thing we do is doubt that it's the word of God. Because it can't be the word of God anymore. Because it says what I don't like. And the next thing we do is we get confused about what God said. And we try and make it a gray area when it's clearly black and white. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's kind of gray. I'm like, I don't see that. It's kind of straightforward. But, and then, and then what happens? The devil plays on that. Did God's word really say? Did God's word really say? Did God's word really say? And then what happens is they fall and they become blatantly disobedient. Isn't that the struggle? That's the struggle that we face. John, uh, C. John Miller makes an observation. He says this, We try and hide from God, but the normal Christian life is one where sins are confessed on a daily basis of free justification through faith. We don't need to hide any longer. We don't need to hide any longer. It's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to realize that we have to know our sins. And as we know our sins, we can think about God. We don't have to have 
a good person. Darling, can you come here for just a second? Thank you. We have a, uh, there's a, a bit of a little bit of a medical emergency happening there, and I just wanted to make sure that my wife had clarity on that. So everything is fine. Everything is cool. I'm just, uh, just making sure that uh, we have some uh, supervision there. So, um, but it's important for you and I to understand that. And so if we know our sins, some people think you're a good person, but you gossip. Did you know gossip's just as bad as anything else? Did you know that slander's just as bad as anything else? Did you know that they're all listed here? And so many times we think we're good people because we're not as bad as somebody else. Listen, if anybody is going to compare themselves, you can compare yourself to Jesus. Nobody else. Don't compare yourself to me or anybody else. Don't make yourself bad because you compare yourself or good because you compare yourself to me. I don't need that. I got enough issues. I compare myself to Jesus all the time and I realize I fall short. You know what I'm saying? I need Jesus more than I need my next breath. And I've always been honest with you about that from the beginning. Just because I have pastor in front of my name or title, that don't mean, that don't mean nothing between my relationship with me and God. We all stand before God equally. And when we stand before God, there ain't going to be the pastor section. You know what I'm saying? Y'all will be over there. I'll be behind the velvet rope. Hey, guys. What's up? You know what I'm saying? More likely, y'all will be in the VIP section, and I'll be in the back going, can I get in? Can I get in? But acknowledging, acknowledging the fall is a way to recognize the debt of sin is inherited, it's accumulated, and we need Jesus. And that's really what Lent is all about. We're moving toward the cross. We had Ash Wednesday where we could really understand our mortality and our morality. Then we get to this beautiful thing called Good Friday, and it is going to be one like you've never... We've already had two, but this third one is going to be like you have never experienced before. It is going to be an interactive activity. Totally interactive from the time you come in. You don't want to miss that. Mark your calendars. But more importantly, what's it focus on? It focuses on the sacrifice. But thank God there's an Easter. I don't want to just have Good Friday. I need Easter in my life. I'm glad I got Good Friday, but I need Easter. Because without, without Easter, we're lost and broken and dead. And so we understand that we need that. The second thing I want you to see today is God's law reveals our need for Jesus because his ability to keep the law is applied to us. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus' law, ability to keep the law, applies, is applied to your life and my life. Isn't that good? He comes in and says, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. That's good news, isn't it? It gets me excited. And so Roman, Romans 7, 24, here, here's Paul. He's struggling, man. This is Paul the Apostle. Wrap that around your heart. The Apostle Paul, right? But he only compares himself to Jesus. He doesn't compare himself to you or me. He only compares himself to Jesus. And when he realizes, he says, what a wretched man am I. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but in my flesh I serve the law of sin. And then he goes on to Romans 8 and says, Therefore there now is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how we live. We live by the Spirit. By the Spirit is how we live. And Lent is a season as we prepare our hearts for the cross of Christ and the resurrection of our Savior. The best way for you and I to prepare is to come to full grips with the facts that we need to be saved. That's one of the biggest questions I've gotten from people, especially on the street. If, if somebody, if you're witnessing, I don't know if you've ever street witnessed. I, I did a lot of street witnessing and do a lot of street witnessing at different points. People say, what's street witnessing? It means telling the story of Jesus on the street. It's not, it ain't, it ain't for the faint at heart, I'll tell you that right now. Because the first people they get, what am I getting saved from? What do I need saving from? It's a big question. Glad you asked. Right? They ask, you come to the, you know, what belief is, and remember the first fruit of belief is what? Repentance. And what does repentance mean? It means to agree with God that you need Him. Until you and I come to the knowledge that we need God, we'll never come to a true place of repentance. And so this is what happens. Homer uh, Hickman Sr. was a well-respected leader of the coal mining uh, industry in West Virginia. And one of his key philosophies on leadership was this. Listen carefully because I'm not going to misread it. So listen carefully. Don't be afraid to tell a man he's no good. A man can't get good if he doesn't know he's bad. That's a coal miner for you, right? Don't be afraid to tell a man you ain't doing a good job. Because he don't have a chance to turn. And it's the same way with us. Did I tell you that for decades they have tried to remove the word sinner? The progressive people have tried to remove the word sinner from the church because it's too offensive. We need to not use the word sinner because people don't need that label. I didn't give it to them. Jesus did. So they said, oh, we need to do those distant from God. They don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> those distant from God? No, sinners. Amen. Sinners who need a Savior. It was, like a, it was like a cuss jar. You know what I mean? If you say sinner, you've got to put money in the cuss jar. Are you kidding me? I'm going to say sinner all day long. Here's 20. If I'm preaching, here's 20. Because it's already happening. I already said it enough right now. I'm in debt. But here's the good news. Jesus paid for it. Give me a break here. But, the, but this, is the, this is the issue behind us. If you don't help somebody improve, if you never help people move forward, they're never going to move forward. In many ways, this is how God's Law functions, it lets us know that we're sinners in need of a Savior. If you didn't have symptoms, you wouldn't go to the doctor and you could have a disease that could destroy your life. Let me let you know you have a disease that can destroy your eternal life. And we know the cure. We must deliver the cure. And Paul helps us understand from Romans chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 12, he helps us understand the law teaches us God's standards for creation and simultaneously teaches us that the standards are unattainable except through Jesus. 
That's where we're hope. So, so here are the three things I want to take. I want you to take with you today. Three relational uh, thoughts for Lent. Three relational thoughts for Lent. The first thing I want you to see this morning is this: is that Lent is a time for believers to reflect on our weaknesses as we rely on God's strength. Isn't that good to know that in my weakness, he, His strength is made perfect? Isn't that awesome? That means I don't have to be perfect. That means when I do fall down, I run back to him and I repent and I ask him to forgive me and I ask him to change me. And he does how many times? Every single time. But it's when you and I try and think that we don't need him and that weakness continues to grow and we don't apply his strength. All we do is stay weak. We need Jesus. And that's what this is about, this season leading up to that. I don't know how you could find anything bad about that. I don't know how, unless you're religious, I don't know how you could find anything bad about Lent. I just don't see it. It's relational. It's an approach. It's all about just don't do it. If you don't like it, don't do it. I'm not going to show up at your house. Did you eat fish? It's Friday. Did you eat fish? Not going to show up at your house. Uh, where are you? I'm not going to be standing at the door at the end. Uh, yes, you're in youth. You're in children. You're a parking person. I'm not going to do that. We have spiritual gift inventories for you. I mean, I might look at you a little like sideways or something. But hey, you know, that's between me and Jesus, you know. But the truth of the matter is, this is where we gain our strength. Admitting, God, I need you, man. I need you every hour, every day, every second. If I don't have you, I just can't do it. And that's the kind of relational approach we need. The, the second thing, Lent is meant to stir our hearts to grow closer to God. It's meant to, 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 to stir our hearts and draw us closer to Jesus. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes Christianity if you're not serving God, if you're not doing things, it can become very mundane. It can just become, oh, it's church again. It's church again. When we're coming to church, man, you should, listen, every single one of us, every single person should pray, today is somebody's day, man. Today's the day I'm going to sing that song, and it's going to crash through the heart of somebody. Today, today, Pastor Mike's going to preach, and somebody's husband, somebody's wife, somebody's child is going to come into the kingdom of God today. Today's the day somebody's been praying for somebody, and they show up. Today's the day. It should be every Sunday, not just during Lent, but every Sunday. Today is the day that Jesus is going to save somebody. That's what it has to be. But if our hearts aren't stirred toward that, it's just another church service. We checked it off and then we head to lunch. Check the weather and see if it's beach day. It had to stir our hearts to get closer to Jesus because when you get closer to Jesus, you won't be able to help. You will not be able to. You will not be able to walk the streets realizing there are lost people that need Jesus and not care. You won't be able to do it. You won't be able to hold your tongue to your family and your friends or the person you're fishing next to or the person that you're sitting next to at the beach. You won't be able to hold your tongue because of Jesus. And finally, Lent reminds us that Jesus came and has given us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us daily. To lead and guide us daily. 
Listen, you don't just, the Holy Spirit just doesn't hover around you. No, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Lent reminds us that Jesus' death and resurrection set the way for the Holy Spirit to not just rest on us for a minute, but to actually be in us and empower us. And you know what, uh, what, what Acts 1-8 says? But you will receive power on high to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost parts of the world. The reason you have the Holy Spirit is to be a witness. This is what it's about. And if you can find something wrong with that, God help you and God bless you, but save your emails because I don't care. Just be honest with you. I really don't. You know, I just tell people, well, hey, you send an email, yeah, whatevs. I don't like that you're doing this. This is, this is Catholic. How do you, you didn't even do the research. If you do the research, hey, Wikipedia it, okay? You'll find out it's Ethan Orthodox, Lutheran, Anglican. If you're not willing to do that, don't correct me. And when you correct me, you better come correct, and you better know that you did your homework. Because your pastor does his homework. So, I ain't got no time for nobody. I ain't got no time for nobody who's mad about us trying to get closer to Jesus. It's silly. Silliness. We meet on a Catholic campus, and now you're trying to make... No, we meet on a co-campus. We meet on a non-denominational. We love our Byzantine brothers and sisters, and we are grateful for them, and they are grateful for us, just so you know, because it's not us and them, it's we, the body of Christ. They don't get mad at me for my tongue-talking ways, and I don't get mad at them for their beautiful cathedrals. I'm Pentecostal, and I ain't ashamed to tell you. And if nobody knew that, welcome to Pentecostalism. Your pastor's Pentecostal. I can't go there anymore. He worships God. Can't go there anymore because he knows God. Guys, it's relationship. That's all I've ever talked about. From the time we planted this church 10 years ago in May. I told you it was going to be one thing. It's all about Jesus because it's always been about Jesus and it's always going to be about Jesus. No one else, not Mike Conaway, not City on a Hill Church, the brand Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It always has been. It always will be. So I introduced Good Friday and I introduced Lent and I introduced Ash Wednesday and I introduced all these things so you can get closer to Jesus because we're not bound by a denominational tag. Because here's what I believe about denominational tags. They're either going to fall off on the way up or burn off on the way down. I believe in the kingdom of God is so much bigger than a denomination. And you and I, we've got to understand it's compassion and love and kindness. The kind of relationship I'm calling you to is the kind of relationship that Jesus wants us to have. He doesn't want us to be a bunch of religious people who fight over silly doctrine. And you didn't even study the doctrine, but you just heard something about it. Why fight over those silly? There's people dying without Jesus in this city. 
and we're going to fight about whether you like this or you are Baptist or you're this or you're Catholic or you're uh, Pentecostal or you're this. Come on. Really? We can't do that. And, and, and if you had a strong relationship with Jesus, you wouldn't be so worried about that. You'd worry about what matters. We can partner with other people. We can have relationships. Listen, Jesus is the standard. He's the factor. I'm not softening Jesus. Trust me, whenever anybody invites me to anything in this city, I told you, if they invite me to a prayer thing, I already tell them, listen, just so you know, I'm praying in the name of Jesus. If you don't dig it, then don't invite me. Now, I don't get many invites, but when I do... Jesus gets up in there about 20 times. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. We all need you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. And then I'll pray. So don't make a mistake. But most importantly, what I care about today is today somebody's that day. Today somebody's that day. It's the day that you decide that you need Jesus more than your next breath, more than your next heartbeat. And you don't have to get hung up in religion to have a relationship with Jesus. You just grow slowly but surely, day by day, step by step. And you've got a whole group of people that want to help you on the journey. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for this day. And God, I thank you, Jesus, that it's all about you. It always has been, always will be. And God, I preach my best that I know how to. And God, I thank you for your anointing because without that, it's just empty words. But I know that with that, it's the power of God on the salvation. That's what you say. You use the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching. And to those that are being saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. And those that are not, it's foolishness. But God, I believe there's people in this room that want their life changed. And I believe that the law has revealed their desperate need for you. And I believe you want to save people today, Jesus, because that's your business. And I don't believe there's anyone in this room that's beyond saving. I don't believe there's anyone in this room that is outside of your care and reach. And all they have to do is through faith believe and repent and agree they need you. And the Bible says you'll adopt us into your very own family. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Mike, man, I just need Jesus. What you share with me today is real and it's honest and it's sincere. And that's the kind of God I want in my life, the kind of real relationship I want. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up high in the air today? That's the real one I want. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That's the real one I want. Yes, the real relationship. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to pray this prayer from your heart to God's. We just simply say, Jesus, I believe in you, and Jesus, I receive you. I give you everything I am and everything I'm not. I confess my sins, and I confess my need for you. And I know that because I do that, that I am made right. I am forgiven. I am whole. I am changed. I'm a new creation. Help me to walk that out in my everyday life and i know that i'm not going to be perfect but i am being perfected and i promise to run back to you every single time i need forgiveness which is going to be every day and i'm going to keep a close relationship with you 
It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Can you give the Lord a, a big hand clap today because he's a good God?